It has been one year since the first case of SARS-CoV-2 was reported on Guam and the island was placed into a state of emergency by the governor of Guam. The effects of the global pandemic is still being felt far and wide. Is the island ready to pivot to life after the longest emergency response in its history? And look at the current state of the coronavirus pandemic in the U.S. territory on That's It, That's All. You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean DiMatato. You are listening to That's It, That's All. My name is Sean DiMatato, the host of the podcast. That's It, That's All is brought to you by Get LLC, the Guam-based consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. They serve both public and private sector organizations in Micronesia and the Western Pacific. Need help with writing a business plan? Need energy efficiency solutions for your offices or commercial facilities? Find out more about Get LLC on their website at get-guam.com. Don't wait. Check them out. A warm holiday to those listeners in Palmdale, California. That's tucked away just north of Los Angeles. Also, greetings to those of you listening in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Chandler, Arizona. The listenership is growing with each episode, and we cannot forget the listeners across the island in the village of Agate. Thanks for having That's It, That's All on your travels. As you know, from one end of Paradise Guam to the other, remember we hope that you download the podcast for your road trips, gym workouts, or time on your laptop and desktop computers. Thank you to RedCircle.com in getting the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Also, you can listen to That's It, That's All on iHeartRadio and Pandora. Remember to like, subscribe, or follow us. Click that button on your favorite podcast app to do so right now. It was not a normal Sunday in Paradise Guam back on March 15, 2020. The buzz of a cobbled-together press conference had most local media organizations concerned. It was then and there, in the bunker below Government House, that the governor of Guam made the sober announcement. Flanked by her lieutenant governor and the directors of Guam Public Health and the Guam Memorial Hospital, Governor Lou Leon Guerrero declared a public health emergency for the U.S. territory following the first reported case of SARS-CoV-2 as part of what was suspected to be six similar cases presented at GMH that weekend. Now, before that Sunday, the news that COVID-19 was spreading rapidly across the globe was slowly gaining worldwide attention, as we in this part of the world would anxiously watch the approach of tropical storms and typhoons, news in early February that cases of COVID-19 were reported in Cebu in the central Visayas region of the Philippines was a pretty clear warning that this invisible killer was getting very close to our shores. And then March 15th happened. Since then, Guam has seen two major spikes in community spread transmission of COVID-19. The most severe hit in late July, early August, when hospitalizations and intensive care patient admissions reached 102. Masks, social distancing, hand washing, all became and remains the norm. Executive order after executive order would follow. The governor of Guam extending the public health emergency month after month after month. These executive actions appear in line with actions an ocean away where in Washington, D.C., 
the coronavirus pandemic moved front and center of the national spotlight as every state had reported COVID infections. Some states and territories were worse than others. The pandemic led to widespread closures nationwide. Schools, churches, businesses, all closed. For over a year, the impacts have been so severe. Locally, Guam's major industries of tourism and the military ground to a screeching halt just as the economy was booming from a record-breaking 2019. Now, the latter brought global headlines to our island as the USS Theodore Roosevelt diverted to our island to treat a sick crew and eventually a fatality that reportedly started after a port visit somewhere in Asia. The news of the TR, as it is affectionately known, sent a shockwave across the American military establishment. After a year, the pandemic has only worsened. Deaths in America have eclipsed the combined U.S. fatality totals of two world wars. Over 29.4 million Americans have been infected. Worldwide, that number, as of this podcast, has reached nearly 120 million with over 2.6 million deaths. Facing a grim outlook, the past year has changed so many things in our lives. Social contact has ground to a halt as well. Online instruction has become a game changer to salvage COVID-impacted school districts. Commodities like alcohol and face coverings are now becoming as common to the market basket as bread, milk, eggs, and vegetables. For an isolated island, Guam's 7,773 positive coronavirus cases and 134 COVID-19 deaths, as of this podcast, has impacted this community in so many ways. Experts across different academic and science fields, from public health, military science, social science, and business, both here and abroad, have surmised that recovery from the pandemic could take anywhere from three years to a decade to rebound from. What will the next year bring? It's really hard to tell. What is the science telling us about this current COVID-19 pandemic? The results are mixed. Based on our research, American, European, and Asian doctors are not united in their assessment and outlook for the foreseeable future. USA Today reported on March 14, 2021, that while treatment for the sickest patients globally has improved since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic a year ago, roughly 20% of patients sick enough to be hospitalized are still ending up in intensive care units all over the world, a figure that hasn't changed in the past year. That same day, Ottawa Chief Public Health Officer Dr. Teresa Tam told Canadian CTV News that she learned from the experience with COVID-19 a year into the pandemic that, quote, we failed the most vulnerable, close quote. 22,000 Canadians have died from the coronavirus. A Medical News Today article strikes a more optimistic tone that I think each of us can appreciate. The UK-based publication noted that a year into the pandemic, National and regional lockdowns and other preventative restrictions continue in Europe, the U.S., and some Asian countries, such as Japan. The article noted that for many, the world looks vastly different from how it seemed before March 2020, taking it a step further, suggesting that while stay-at-home orders may have initially had a negative impact on mental health, studies have found that the effect may fade as people adjust to their situations.
This is an example of what science is telling us about COVID-19. It is the science that should be guiding decision-making at every level of our society. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. Okay. The Miami Herald reported a year ago this week that Puerto Rico, the U.S. territory with 3.2 million American residents, announced five confirmed COVID-19 cases that forced then-Governor Wanda Vasquez to lock down the island noting, quote, if we don't act now with determination and force, the consequences tomorrow will be even worse, close quote. Today, Puerto Rico continues to struggle with the response, with 94,790 reported cases and 2,080 deaths as of this podcast. The Virgin Islands Consortium reported in late February that USVI delegate and budding Democratic superstar Stacey Plaskett secured $584 million to support pandemic relief for the U.S. Virgin Islands, their share of $2 billion earmarked for all of the U.S. territories. This while the USVI has reopened to inbound tourism travel with enhanced safety and safety protocols. After a year there, 2,761 cases of coronavirus and 25 deaths. An ocean away in American Samoa, the Samoa News on March 14, 2021, reported an extension of its state of emergency status, despite having not a single reported community case of COVID-19. And earlier this week in the CNMI, the Marianas Variety reported that a Commonwealth positive case was a frontliner in Saipan who was fully vaccinated. Commonwealth Health Corporation's Esther Munoz said the frontliner and three others were asymptomatic and recovering, bringing the total number of coronavirus cases just north of us to 154 positive cases and two COVID-related deaths. Full disclosure, I went from being a harsh critic of the initial response to COVID in Guam back in March and was brought right into the heart of the response in April. Six months. I would like to use this particular part of the podcast to say that in my 10 years of government public information experience, that being thrust into the COVID response was truly eye-opening. I got the call to support Guam Public Health. Much of it had to do with my role when Guam was developing its first pandemic response plan in 2010. At the time, I had the privilege to work and to travel to Washington, D.C. with Guam Public Health, and it included former Deputy Director Josie O'Malley. And we worked with the nation's top public health professionals to ensure that each of the 55 states and territories began the process to respond to a global pandemic. Now, over uh, 10 years ago, 11 years to be exact, it was the swine flu that was threatening the health and safety of America. At the time, no one to include then Lieutenant Governor and current state surgeon Dr. Michael Cruz would have ever thought that the effort then would need to be pulled out off of a shelf and be used in the most significant pandemic in 100 years. 
there there were efforts though to resurrect the 2010 plan several years ago, but political momentum stopped it then. As word was spreading that COVID was spreading rapidly in early 2020, there was a realization at Adeloop that some plan needed to be put in play or prioritizing the modernization of Guam's current emergency response and continuity of operation plans. 11 days before the governor of Guam signed the first of consecutive executive orders relative to the current public health emergency, a review was kicked off of the revised 2010 pandemic plan by the Leon Guerrero administration. Since then, nothing. At least nothing yet. Now, in fairness, DPHSS is still trying to update the work started nearly a decade ago. Heck, I even assisted in developing the last component of the decade-old document, a crisis and emergency risk communication plan. Now, my hope is that the administration and public health is adding to that effort and will soon formalize a modern pandemic plan for Guam. Switching gears a bit, plans are not good without leadership working to execute those plans. A managing director of Harvard Business Publishing Corporate Learning, Larry Clark, a very long title for sure, Clark wrote in a November 2020 blog post that since COVID-19 struck, The primary response by many organizations has been to focus on protecting its people, protecting the firm or organization, and just getting through things. Clark noted that when there's so much upheaval, mind-boggling change, and such profound uncertainty, this seems to be the obvious and sensible course. Clark wrote, quote, Some organizations, on the other hand, also saw the fog of uncertainty as a singular opportunity to not just shift their game strategy, but to rewrite the rules of the game itself. Close quote. I've been sharing this thought with friends and family repeatedly since October. Government leaders cannot keep moving the goalposts in this emergency response game we are currently in the fight to try to win. Some insight? I did say and tried to impart to Guam leaders when part of the response that a commitment to realism and reassurance in the face of a changing COVID-19 pandemic game was necessary. I want to say publicly that it was a message that I believe was received loud and clear, but execution and pandemic fatigue is where this particular approach has and continues to fall flat. Whether it was announcing road closures to stop the spread of the coronavirus, encouraging residents to participate in mass COVID testing, an extensive media campaign to wear masks, and downloading an exposure app on our smartphones or getting vaccinated, the public health messaging needed and is still needing a nudge of realism and reassurance from island political leaders. There is nothing wrong with truth in public information. Accurate information to folks whose job is to disseminate the news has quite honestly just suffered over the past year. I can't tell you the conversations and concerns felt by every member of Guam's fourth estate. The end result of the lack of consistent messaging has trickled down to Guam's first responders to COVID-19. What I was witness to of Guam's public health professionals over the past year is nothing short of amazing. Now, just because a message was and still is filled with fits and starts, it doesn't mean the other part of the response has been a complete wash, but quite the opposite. 
There is not enough time in a podcast, words in a news article, or video on television that can showcase what I saw in the trenches of the COVID-19 response by local and federal public health staff in Guam. Teamwork, passion, concern. The Guam Department of Public Health and Social Services have led a world-class emergency response never before seen by this island community. We have had our share of calamity over the decades. We have seen death and destruction. We have seen examples of public service that ranks up there with some of the best in America. From the response to, to the quarantine and isolation facilities, to contact tracing, to mass testing, and now vaccinations. This very special group of government of Guam healthcare professionals have done what no one could have ever thought possible work day and night to protect an isolated community from a deadly killer and do so without much fanfare. They are a pretty insightful bunch, I will, will admit. Sitting in incident command meetings, I was in the front row of decisions that affected thousands of Guam re residents and not the privileged few. Save that criticism for the response of other parts of the government of Guam and private sector doctor and nurse teams that eventually has needed some much-needed discipline and experience in the form of the pros at the Guam National Guard and prodding by the response leaders at DPHSS. As journalists all over the world, and importantly right here at home, focused on a year of decision-making in a pandemic, my focus, rightfully so, is on the heart and soul of the response. Local political leaders and those of significant influence across all three branches of government did plenty of talking about what they did over the past year. Actions speak louder than words. The Guam Department of Public Health and Social Services did more than what they are being credited for. Any letter grade for them less than an A plus would be an insult to the men and women of the lead response agency to COVID in Guam. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. Realism Reassurance, a year in Guam's ongoing response to the coronavirus, these are still two missing components of the emergency messaging that should be taking or taking us all into what will soon be a post-pandemic Western Pacific. This is an important dead horse to beat up on. I, for one, have said since March in numerous broadcast interviews that our people deserve this from our government and emergency response officials. Why is this so important? In a March 15, 2021 recovery and reopening of Guam press conference, Governor Lou Leon Guerrero mapped out what are the first steps of a COVID-19 recovery plan. Now, the governor mentioned new quarantine rules with vaccinations. The governor noted her plan took months to put together. The governor adjusted views to reopen that appeared to clash with initial work to establish the pandemic condition of readiness levels. Another gimmick was also introduced in the path 
to half, a mix of science and community vaccinations ahead of the summer. Now, I could go on, but this is the nuts and bolts of a one-hour presser filled with platitudes and more of the same rhetoric since the March 15th 2020 presser that started all of this whole COVID-19 roller coaster ride. Now, this whole effort could have been handled better. The governor could have taken the next day to meet with the board of the GVB and talk up support for the reopening. The governor could have met with the next couple days after with the Guam Medical Association to seek their aid in making sure the reopening is safe and with their support to handle any folks who present ill from COVID moving forward, the governor could have met with the Mayor's Council of Guam and the Guam Chamber of Commerce to get their buy-in and perhaps motivation for any spin-off outreach efforts. But those were not done, at least not made public. The Guam legislature and the judiciary of Guam are certainly not included as they bring no value to add to the greater community getting ready to reopen. Their operations are small in this particular part of the recovery process. Now, these meetings would have given more credibility to Governor Lou Leon Guerrero, as she may be seeing less support from the Biden administration. Now, this statement comes from discussions I've been having recently with friends in D.C. who are familiar with this matter. Politics can rear its head, though, and many would want it to stay out of any and all recovery efforts. But without politics, we all would not be in this moment as President Biden is pushing all states and territories to get all of its citizens tested, or excuse me, vaccinated by May 1st, and to reopen the country by the start of the summer. The Biden plans expect to be rolled out soon relative to this, and even more. Less support of a supporting ear is surely not something the White House is giving Guam right now, despite sharing the same political party. Our community may or may not be surprised if Guam, in fact, meets such ambitious opening uh, plan dates. I, for one, want this process to be safe with as many stakeholders as possible to make it a reality. Another observation is that many in the business community have soured on their once favored governor. The lockdowns and minimal return to operations have shuttered so many businesses, in effect, picking and choosing their favorite industry to thrive and the less politically advantageous ones to, well, not not survive at all. Well, without advocating the business industry or doing it only through the GVB speaks to why displaying realism and reassurance is an important move forward. Now, if the governor of Guam was uh, to make a change and be real with island residents on recovery matters, more people would be buying into her plans. The doors are not being banged on for vaccines. The numbers show that they may be high versus other states. This stat is more about our small population, if any. The U.S. could give more vaccines, but have not been able to do so. Delays are aplenty, with winter storms recently. Supply chains are gummed up. Vaccine production is coming, but not fast enough. ABC News reported this week that as vaccine production becomes more steady in the next few weeks, 
State officials are eyeing early April for when they expect a noticeable boost in supply, and the White House and vaccine makers have been tight-lipped about exactly how much to expect each week and despite their confidence. One year later, and there is much more to be done. The governor of Guam gave herself and her administration an A-plus for their response to COVID for the past year during the uh, March 15th, 2021 press conference. It is at that same presser where she repeatedly said that the science has driven the response. If we follow science and data, that could be a problem where GovGuam bureaucrats are not experienced enough or have been politicizing this response. Realism and reassurance has been kicked to the curb, so to speak. Once recovery has in fact started, either May 1 or closer to August, the administration would be better served to have regular contact with the media to talk up their progress. Guam Public Health doctors and incident command teams can be used to discuss the state of the recovery from the trenches. This is realism. Also, the DPHSS director and medical, medical director can use their discussions with the federal government to put this into context, put all the plans into context with the community. The public health, public information officer is no substitute for the lead official telling the people if plans are working and that we can have comfort with their leadership in the response and the pivot to the recovery. That is reassurance. Taken together, it can change the trajectory of the view of Guam's response to COVID that can be as effective as the vaccine. The perfect medicine to ensure the whole of the people of Guam can move on to what may be a new normal into 2021 and beyond. On this one-year anniversary, we should thank God for our island community uh, that's still here, despite a grim outlook for us all previously. We should be grateful for those people brave enough to walk beside families who have lost loved ones. I am grateful for healthcare workers who have cared for others. We must all be grateful for teachers and college professors, for grocery store workers, for essential workers whose work has been so important throughout the past year. Life on Paradise Guam will never again be normal if we use reality and reassurance to dealing with COVID and their whole emergency response and recovery effort. This will be an important step in our healing process from this whole entire coronavirus pandemic. For those who have experienced challenges this year, I hope you find renewed strength, maybe even through this podcast. For those who have lost loved ones this past year, whether to COVID-19 or another cause, I pray that your memories of them will be a blessing to you all. That's it. That's all. If you enjoyed this podcast, download, press subscribe, or follow us right now. More great content is on the way. Talk to you soon. The That's It, That's All podcast is produced by Sean Gamatato. Executive producer is Trisha Gamatato. Hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a review. Thanks for listening.